Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. It is very common that we as entrepreneurs or those of us that have an entrepreneurial bend come across different barriers that seemingly keep us from what it is that we feel that we can be able to accomplish. And so we have this potential in us, but we just can't get past those barriers for whatever reason. And it keeps us away from being able to keep going forward and higher and being able to make a bigger difference in the world. And so as entrepreneurs, that's one of the things we want to do is we want to be able to help others. We want to be able to be a benefit to the world, not just provide a living for ourselves. And so personally, I haven't, I didn't really grow up with an entrepreneurial spirit or anything like that. And so I've heard stories about people that they would, as kids, they would start selling things. They would create something and sell something, or they would create a service because they saw a need and different things like that. I wasn't really like that growing up. And so I, I do see some little tendencies if I were to really look back, but for the most part, I didn't have that. Our guest today though, did kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit growing up and he was able to, as he grew older, be able to develop into what uh what he does now and it's really exciting to be able to see this so our guest today is eddie maloof so he's an entrepreneur and also a marketer and he has a website called brilliantmarketers.com and i had a great conversation with him and part of what we talk about is how to be able to push past these barriers and these limits and that helps us then be able to reach the potential that is ahead of us, that is inside of us. And so we have that opportunity and he shares how he is able to do that for himself, but then also how he sees that in other people and helps them be able to break past those limits as well. Then also in the conversation, we're getting to the nitty gritty of being able to transition from being a solopreneur to being an entrepreneur that has a team that you're working with, whether that is full on a full-time basis or part-time basis or whatever that looks like, but being able to make that first hire and being able to create that in such a way that helps you be able to propel forward in success. And so I'm excited to be able to share this conversation with you. So let's go to the conversation now where Eddie starts off by telling us how we got into this entrepreneurial life that he is in now. I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, since I was in college and stuff. I remember like I used to skip exams and tell teachers that I had reasons to skip for work and like go out and try to kind of start my own businesses on the side throughout college. And I always had that kind of idea of starting my own business. But what happened was I actually graduated college. I went and worked for a company called Lifetime Fitness. So a pretty big fitness company in the US, I'd say like one of the most prestigious. Um, I ended up just doing sales for them. In the meantime, well, I kind of wanted to figure out what I wanted to do. In that process, I actually, I became the number one salesperson in their company, which is like, you know, thousands and thousands of employees. So it was a pretty big deal. I got my paycheck that month. 
I think it was like $8,700. And I was like, damn, I was like, it kind of like hit me in the face. Like, yo, I'm the number one person in this company and I just got paid this, you know, it wasn't even about the money. It was more about the fact that I got number one really is what it hit me. And I'm like, I can't really get more than this. Not, not even just financially, just like growth wise at that age. So that same day, they asked me for to get a promotion to have a six figure job. So they wanted to pay me instead of, you know, 8.7, they want to pay me like 10 to 12. And uh, instead of accepting that, I actually took a lunch. So this is like the detailed story that I didn't tell you, I guess. But I think if mm-hmm. someone's listening, I think this might resonate a little bit. I took a lunch and I remember going to lunch by myself and I called my father who I knew had a, had a business, like a small family business. And I was like, listen, I was like, I know you can't pay me what I make right now. But I think I got some pretty good ideas on how to do this digital marketing thing online. And mind you, this is like, I've had done digital marketing at this point, but I hadn't like aggressively spent tens of thousands of dollars. And I was like, I wanted that opportunity to learn. So this is about five years ago. I went out and I was like, I know you can't pay me. So hire me for $2,000 a month and I'll take 20% of increased revenue between whatever month it is and that same month last year. And I was like, so you have no risk. Basically, you just pay me two grand and let me get to it. And he's like, okay, cool. So I went back to my job. I told them I quit. Obviously, I, you know, 30 day notice, like I wasn't a jerk about it. I was like, I know you guys, I'm important. So I'm going to do this the right way. 30 days, I'll train the next person, whatever it is. And I left. And so that next year, I basically did that for my father. I ended up making more money than I did just because of that 20% that I was able to bring in. And then ever since then, I realized like the wonders that marketing actually does for a business. And since then, I kind of expanded, started a team, built an agency. And that's kind of the trajectory that it took at that point to get me where I'm at today. Yeah, cool. I've shared on this podcast, so the listeners are probably familiar. I I didn't grow up with any kind of entrepreneurial bend or anything like that. I just kind of happened into it. And it does kind of fit really well for me with my personality and all that. But I mean, getting into the entrepreneurial lifestyle is definitely a lot different than working for some company, some corporation, whether it's in the office or I did a lot in uh, factory. It, it's a lot different when you're in at, at, working for yourself, basically. And so what struggles, if any, did you have as you got into that type of role? First, I didn't really have too many struggles because it was more, I think most people struggle mentally at the beginning when it's just you, right? So like self-employed, let's talk before business owner. I think really the biggest struggle is just understanding that it's going to take some time. And so like, I guess really physically struggling, there wasn't much, but mentally it was like seeing all these other people, especially on social media now, like, you know, having businesses and just being so successful and being younger, being older, and just like seeing all the success and kind of thinking like, wow, look how much I'm doing right now. And I'm doing everything right. I'm, you know, not stepping on any toes. I'm being fair with everyone doing, you know, good, honest business, working hard day and night. And I'm not at that point that I, you know, thought I would be at this point. I think that's definitely the hardest part for most people is just understanding it's a, it's a, it's a longer process. It's always a longer process than people think they get in. You know, I see it all the time. You know, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a month starting next month. Well, what are you at right now? Well, I just started. Well, it's not, it's really not as easy as social media has made it out to seem, I think is what I'm trying to get at. And the hardest part was kind of overcoming that and being patient at the beginning, especially financially to understand that it's, it's going to take a little bit of time to get to that point. Yeah. I know one of the struggles I personally had, and I've, I've seen a lot of people get to that is that they get to a certain point as an entrepreneur, as self-employment, and they get stuck. And 
it's like they, they can't reach out. They sort of like, I guess, maybe if you look into the ceiling analogy, they get to a certain ceiling and they can't seem to get beyond that, whether it's number of clients or a certain profit or whatever it is. We get those different things and trying to step over to that next thing. What are some things that people can do or, or what are some of those things that people come across other than what I mentioned? And how can people be able to make those steps and get over the the mindset or whatever it is. Okay, cool. So great question. I have, uh, and for reference in answering this question for people listening, we manage hundreds of different businesses marketing. Uh, but you know, when, when you manage a lot of business marketing, especially for months or years, you leak into their business. It's not just about marketing anymore. You consult them on operations, on hiring and things like that. So there's three common problems I always see across every single business. And this is, it's always like every single time someone pays us a chunk of change to go consult their business. It's just one of the three problems every time. So the first one is usually people are making money, they're self-employed and they don't want to hire because they want to see how much they can make without having to hire someone and they want to keep all the cash in themselves, which is totally cool. I did that for a year and a half as well. I did that for two years ish. And I, I made a, you know, what I thought at the time was so much money and it was totally cool keeping that. And I thought that was going to be okay. But then there comes a point where you're like, okay, I need to get to the next step. And my time bandwidth actually does not allow me to get there. Uh, so I'm going to have to hire. And so number one's hiring. It's all like, I'd say 70% of the time, it's a hiring problem. They either have people that are ineffective in their company um, that aren't doing the job. If you fire them, you notice that your efficiency as a company still stays the same and you got rid of someone. Uh, so they're actually slowing you down or they don't have enough people and they need to hire more and let go of that attachment to the cash that's coming in that they have. So that's one. And then a quote I like to use for this is like, I'd rather own half of a watermelon than an entire grape. So, you know, and so it's a lot of people when they get self-employed and they make money, they think it's a watermelon, what they're making, but it's really a grape in the bigger picture of things. And in order to get to that kind of watermelon point, you have to build a team around you to take care of other things. So number two is marketing for sure. You would be surprised at the amount of businesses that actually spend money on marketing. Um, everyone tries to do it organically. Everyone tries to figure out the cheapest way to acquire customers, whether it's emailing or putting signs outside or whatever it is, referrals. They always find organic ways to do it. And what I've noticed is the biggest growth in every business that I've seen comes from a really good marketing campaign, like almost every single time. So like that's usually the bottleneck. And then when that campaign hits well, then you have the whole hiring problem that I was talking about earlier where people kind of can't grow past that because they don't have the staff on hand. But I would say those are definitely the top two things. And the third one, which is kind of like unmeasurable, I guess on, on paper, is really just investing in, their, in themselves and their own mindset and personal development, whether that's coaches or reading books and things like that. A lot of people just don't realize how much they don't know. And so if, if your whole life you think, you know, for example, $10,000 a month is a lot of money, which, you know, it is a good amount of money for a lot of people, but like in the per perspective of the world of business, you know, it's not that much money. And so that mental barrier, for example, to, you know, whether it's a hundred thousand or a million a month or $10,000 a month for each person is different. I think that's a big part of it. So I really do think personal development is the third kind of pillar that most people miss. And that's just because they only know what they know. They know what their parents have taught them, what their friends have showed them their whole life. If all their friends make $10,000 a month and they make 20, they think they're ballers. But you know, if you accidentally sit at the wrong table at a restaurant, you realize all those people are making a million dollars a month. And then all of a sudden that whole mindset that you had your whole life just kind of comes cracking down. So I think those are the three things, hiring, marketing, and personal development for sure. Okay. Let's dive into that first part there, that hiring, because I know I struggled personally with 
being able to get past that thing because I have the or had the mentality of, well, no one can do it as good as I do because it's my business. It's my work. Mm-hmm. And then so how do I be able to maintain the quality? And then, I mean, just the perfectionism in that, that I struggle with and just being able to let go of the reins. And so, so there's all those different things. And, uh, and then also, um, as, as you mentioned, they're parting with the money because it's when you're self-employed, you, I mean, minus taxes and expenses and things like that, you get to keep the rest Yeah, and it's yours. If you go and hire somebody, then you have to take some of that and put it to somebody else. And that could be a, a difficult thing as well. So how can we move from, going from yourself to now you're hiring somebody else, whether that's just a, a part-time person or full-time, whether it's contract or actual employee or, or, or whatever that looks like, how do we make that step? First step is recognizing where you want to put them, obviously. So I see a lot of people, I guess, mentally, when it comes to the delegation part that you were talking about, it's just very good to understand, like, even though you can do, you feel like you can do everything in your business better than someone else. First of all, it it doesn't really matter because you can't do everything at a scale. And then second of all, you would be very shocked and surprised to find, you know, you as a business owner, you're doing 10, let's just say 10 things, right? You're doing 10 things and you feel like you're a 10 out of 10 out of all 10 things, right? You'd be surprised to find out when you hire someone to do one or two of those 10 things and all they're doing is one or two of those 10 things all day, every day, how quickly they become better than you at doing those one or two things because that's their only responsibility. You know what I mean? I think as a business owner, we're very blinded and don't realize how little bandwidth we actually have spreading across all the different things that we have to do on a day-to-day basis. And when you hire someone to do one or two jobs that take the most time out of your day, you'd be surprised within a month, they probably are doing that job better than you are just because that is that they do that from nine to five every single day. Whereas you have so many other things to worry about. You can't worry about improving at that one thing. You can really maintain the quality that you have, whereas it's their responsibility to improve. So once that clicked on my head, I was way more comfortable hiring and like losing money for a month, knowing that next month, this person on my team is going to be able to generate that revenue back to me. I think that's a big mental barrier. Another thing that's important is uh, I think when it comes to the hiring process, it's good to interview what I do. This is, and this has caused massive growth in our business. A big bottleneck we had was we'd hire someone And this is how I hire. I hire a little bit weird, but I tell everyone you have a two month trial period essentially with us where you work at like 70% pay and you can get fired at any point in time. This is like your training period. This is like, do you fit company culture? Do you actually get the job done? And then after that, we'll pay you more than what other people pay you, but you're going to get paid less for two months. In doing so, I actually, how I interview is I always leave a backup person. So like, let's say I interview 10 people and I pick the one. I leave second and third place. I say, hey, listen, there's probably an opportunity opening up soon. So in case you don't find another job, don't wait on it. But in case you don't find another job, I may be reaching out to you. And so that gives me leverage on that first person. If I really wasn't after you know a couple of weeks, I didn't feel like this person is here and they're going to grow the company, then I'm able to shift to my second or third option. And I think the biggest problem people have in hiring is they spend so much time hiring, interviewing all these people, they hire someone, that person's like a six out of 10, they wanted them to be a 10 out of 10, but they settle for it because they're like, dude, I just invested so much time. He's not toxic. He's not hurting the company, but you know, he's not growing it like I expected him to or wanted him to. And so they're kind of stuck in that, that trap. I think once people are able to give yourself a backup, you get leverage and you're able to kind of move a lot quicker. Um, And that's something I've done in our business. We've hired 10 people the last four weeks probably in our company and we've got rid of one and had to replace one. And it was instantaneously because we had that backup already ready and they were a great fit. So hope that answers it. 
I really like that point that you made about realizing your own limitation. No matter how good you think you are, when you stretch yourself so much, you limit the ability that you're able to grow, but bringing somebody else on enables that particular thing to, to potentially be able to get better because there's able to be more attention, be able to put onto that. But then also with that is then the things that you're left with after that is you can be able to put your focus even more on those pieces so that then those can be able to rise up to the next level as well. 100%. And here's something I forgot to mention. This is like an important part of, of hiring and scaling effectively. Not everyone is going to have the same vision that you do, and they're not going to understand what metrics you want and what standards you have. You know, it's going to be very annoying going back and forth to them. Something that's helped us scale is we've put KPI or for you know people that don't know what that is, key performance indicators on paper for each position. So like, for example, you, I know you kill it when it comes to getting people's podcasts done, editing them, touching them on, making them like a professional podcast from nothing. And so just as an example, you know, if someone had a business like yours, it would be very ideal to have all the standards that you do when it comes to editing and what certain things should look like and everything like that on paper so that every time you hire someone, no matter what they've been taught in their past five or 10 jobs that they have and all the you know blueprints that they have mentally of how things should be done, you have that standard for your business. And just like Coca-Cola has their formula and no matter if it's John, Susan, or Sally making the Coca-Cola formula, it's all going to be the same. I think most businesses should strive for that a lot sooner. Where I see businesses with 30 employees making millions a year, they have no SOPs or processes or even KPIs in place to measure things. They just, the business runs and it runs, but like they have no standard on paper that everyone kind of follows. And I think that's really important to systemizing it, being able to hire faster. Yeah. So talking about systems there, one thing I know that I, I've seen in your course, which will kind of get to your website there with, with some business marketing and things like that, is I saw something there about system stacking. I basically understand what systems are. I can, I can kind of understand the concept of system stacking, but can you delve into what that is in and how we can be able to apply that? By system stacking in that specific instance, I'm referring to like marketing systems that are in place for businesses. And you can tell me, you can guide me where you want me to take system stacking exactly. But in that specific instance on my website, I refer to it as a marketing system as a whole. So I think too many people are like one channel oriented, or even if they're multi-channel oriented from an advertising perspective, like for example, they do radio, they do you know a few mailers and then they do some ads on Facebook. Like they don't really have the ability to track all of them. They're all kind of random and they all contribute to the overall growth of the business. And what I mean by system stacking is like businesses should be able to, especially using digital, it's very easy, should be able to track back where their revenue is actually coming from, from multiple sources of advertising at the same time and being able to stack. An example is you go on Google, you know, you look up a certain pair of shoes, you go to Macy's website, you leave that website, all of a sudden on Facebook, you're getting ads for Macy's. You go to read a news article, you're getting ads for the same boots from Macy's. Uh, That's what I call system stacking. Whereas now, there's so many different multi-channel touch points to the consumer that you feel like Macy's is everywhere, but really Macy's is, you know, just spending a couple pennies reaching you in stacking different platforms and leveraging the fact that now they're all over the internet because they're using all these platforms at the same time. So that's what I mean by system stacking. But if you want me to take it in a different direction, I'd love to hear what you want. So, so would that be like, uh, like having that tracking pixel to where it's like you visit a website and then you see advertisements on Facebook and Google and all those different places? 
Yeah, exactly. And so here, here's the problem that most businesses do. And, and this isn't really an issue for businesses doing like under a couple hundred thousand a month, but anything over that, I think it's really necessary. Yes, all these sites have different pixels and they track, but when you go to track the actual numbers of like what brought you what revenue, they actually kind of add on each other. So like if someone saw an ad on Facebook and the next day clicked it on Google, they track it separately. So they both track that they generated you a hundred dollars when which one really was it? You know what I mean? So when I teach people as business owners and marketing students, like, like system stacking, I mean, like being able to separate the data and like, you know, see just as a Facebook flow, how much is that generating just as a Google flow? How much is that generating? And unfortunately these platforms don't do that for you because it's in Google's best interest to show better numbers than Facebook and it's Facebook's best interest to show better numbers than Google so that you can spend on those platforms. And that's a little bit deeper marketing stuff, but I mean, definitely businesses that are making more than a couple million a year and they're advertising multi-channel need to be tracking like each channel individually as a result, even though they're stacking the systems all on top of each other from an advertising perspective. Okay. Yeah, I, I've dabbled a little bit into marketing and I, I can grasp some parts of it in, in relation to like the content part. So it's like, okay, having the right headline and, and copy. Yeah. And, yeah, you're a killer at that stuff. So it's like, okay, I can wrap my head around that. Then we start getting into this part here and it's like tracking all this stuff. And yeah, it's, it's like, pretty okay, wild. I, <laughs> so it's like, I need, to, I need to like clear my mind and devote some actual time and energy to be able to really understand that concept. I understand it on a surface level, but I, I'm definitely not there personally. And so, yeah, it's definitely super yeah. technical for sure. <laughs> and, uh, we should probably get someone to do it if, you know, someone's not technical in the marketing space, but that's a general idea. Yeah. That takes us back to like that whole thing about looking at the hire somebody in one of those situations where it's like, you're not an expert. And like, for me, I would have to devote so much time and energy and probably money to learn how to do that to where by the time I get it, I'm going to be spending so many thousands of dollars and hours and all that just to get to a basic level of being able to understand that as opposed to going to somebody like yourself, who's a marketing expert who can come in, evaluate the business, learn a little bit about the business and be able to say, okay, let's do this and be able to come up with a plan that can execute a lot more quickly and cheaper in the long run. 100%. And what most people don't realize is like, yeah, you spend a lot of time and money learning that, but like how much time do you have to spend implementing it after all that already, even like throughout the course of your career? You know what I mean? That time as a business owner can be used elsewhere, I think. Yeah. And talking about that too, marketing is obviously a very big need for many companies. And when we look at trying to hire somebody we can either hire a person to be that's part of our team that does the marketing, or we could go out and hire a marketing company. Um, what what are the the differences as far as like like how that would work or the the benefits and some things like that? And so so what's your perspective on that? Okay, so my perspective on that it's that's a solid question. It's it's funny. I was actually going to make a post about this next week. I have it on my schedule to like shoot a video about the same question. So well, there you go. Here's your rough draft. <laughs> Here it is. Right. <laughs> so there's pros and cons to both. Obviously, pro to hiring a marketing company is that they've kind of already experimented with so many other businesses and done the work for you. You know what I mean? They have the experience to create those results right away whether it be having a graphic designer or whether it be having some ads buyers or people that can create web content, like they just have a much wider bandwidth normally than someone who gets hired. 
the pros of hiring someone and also the con at the same time, con is you're going to hire someone, they're going to come in, they're really not going to know much. If someone gets a marketing degree in today's world, I can attest to it myself. Uh, I, I got mine, you know, officially, I guess, five years ago, but I got mine five years ago and I can tell you right now, I've used virtually nothing from it. And so if you're going to, if you're a business owner going to get someone to do marketing for you and you're going to want to get them at a good price, they're not going to know much. So you're going to want to have to invest in programs to teach them how to do that. And at the same time, you're probably going to be burning quite a bit of cash up front because their marketing campaigns aren't going to succeed the way that they are. But the advantage is long-term, you know, you have someone in-house and hopefully you've signed some sort of contract with the person that you've brought in-house to kind of stay with you at a certain point and not just learn everything and leave and go start their own thing. Benefit is long-term, you can now build a team around this person or have them in-house do everything for you at a cheaper rate than the marketing company would. But you're definitely going to take that cost up front. So what I normally recommend people to do is double dip. If you're, if you're able to do this, I would double dip. I would hire a marketing company for six months, see how the marketing company is performing, have someone at a really cheap hourly rate who's ambitious, wanting to learn this kind of stuff, work with you, and then go and learn the actual stuff that this marketing company is doing and try to absorb as much of it as possible. And then after those six months are up, as a business owner, you make a decision. Do I leave this marketing company that's driving me results and you know hope that this guy has learned and he's kind of crossed that learning curve? Or do I just keep it with them? I personally recommend any business under the size of like you know, 15 to $20 million a year to hire a marketing company. I think anything after that point is worth having someone in house, but like people don't realize the width of marketing. You know what I mean? They just think, okay, I can hire someone. He can do some posts on Facebook, touch up my website and I'll be good to go. But like just on our team alone and we don't even mind you, we're very niche. So we don't even go wide. You know what I mean? We have a video department, a photography department, an editing department, an ads buying department, people that actually spend money on ads and then read the data and report that back to us. We have the content creation department, which kind of is the video and all the other stuff. Then you have the graphic designers, you have the web department, you have the Google department. It's just like so many different teams. And as a business, you basically get to have a piece of each team for a couple hundred dollars if you look at the bigger picture. So I definitely recommend as a business to hire a marketing company, even though you're going to feel like it's a cost. If it is a good marketing company, they'll get the job done and they'll bring an ROI. It'll be a huge benefit to your business. The, the unfortunate part, Josh, is like, I'm sure you know this too, being in the online space, everyone and their sister is a marketing company right now because everyone has a course, you know, similar to mine, even that teaches you how to do marketing. And so people go take this course, they have no experience and they go and try to sell businesses on doing marketing for a couple grand. And it's kind of, I guess, thinned out the market in the sense that like people are kind of afraid to invest in marketing because they've been, they've been, for lack of better words, I guess, screwed in the past on spending money on marketing and they feel like it's not going to yield any results or you're not going to yield them any results as a company because they've experienced that. So um, I mean, you just got to do your research, I guess, but I know that's a lot for an answer. Uh, but hire, hire a marketing company first, um, if you're a smaller business and then, um, as you grow, definitely bring it in house yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. Being able to leverage the experience and kind of like getting, like you said, you kind of get a little bit of the whole company. So you get a little bit of the video and the, and the content and the video and whatever, all those different things as, as part of your team, but you're just doing that. And then they're taking care of all those different pieces as opposed to you having to worry about that. And the best thing too, would be the fact that they know how to do it and they're working together on those pieces so that if you don't know what you're doing, it can be very easy to just like, you're, you're focusing on this and then you're neglecting 
some of these other things that need to take place. But if you're doing it yourself, you don't necessarily know that it needs to be done. And so you're missing a ton of information. Yeah, and so, a ton of stuff for sure. And so that, that, that whole saying of you don't know what you don't know. And <laughs> so being able to hire somebody helps you to be able to fill in those gaps. And I like that idea of double dipping so that you can be able to tap into the knowledge and experience of the expert company while you're bringing somebody on to hopefully be able to bring that in-house then. And then that way you can be able to leverage the, the initial boost, but then also be able to get the training and, and all that for long-term. Exactly. Yeah. So you kind of, you kind of negate that learning period that they're going to have. Yeah. I like that. So why don't you go ahead and tell us then a little bit about um, your course and then um, how people can be able to get a hold of that. Okay, cool. I actually wasn't even aware we were going to plug the course in, but I'll, uh, I'll plug it in then. Uh, so appreciate that. So yeah, it's called the Brilliant Marketers Program. It's just www.brilliantmarketers.com. So here's why I made this course, contrary to like how other people make their programs. I see a lot of digital marketing programs online where people do some sort of digital marketing, they have a little bit of success and they go and they sell everyone on starting their own digital marketing company and here's what I did and you know, start out for free and do this and that. Whereas I took a different approach, I've invested, I actually calculated it yesterday, uh, about $350,000 on coaching and courses and consulting over the last three years alone. And so I've taken all that knowledge and all the money I've spent about $50 million in ads, and I've kind of put them all in a program to teach business owners in a very simple manner, how to go from like completely not knowing how to do anything online when it comes to advertising to being able to take it all in themselves. So in the case where, you know, they hire someone who's not experienced or they are that person themselves, that allows them to go in and learn in a matter of a couple of weeks, how to become a complete expert in digital marketing and use this program as a resource to refer back to anytime they need it in regards to, oh, I forgot how to do this for Google. I forgot how to do this for Facebook and kind of provide a business owner a way to bring it in house, especially at the beginning from the point of like literally not knowing how to open Facebook to literally going through campaigns for $2 million a month companies in ad spend and literally being that transparent in the program and going through that for them. So uh, that's the reason I made it. I made it as like a way for people that couldn't afford to work with their company to be able to take it themselves and learn it for themselves and kind of create a marketing campaign or, um, you know, program for themselves in that sense. So I didn't do it as like a source of like my main income, which is how I think most course owners present their course, which I think is the problem. I did it as a way for like, Hey, you can't work with me. It's totally cool. Here's how you can kind of do this for yourself at not so high of a level that we're doing. Excellent. I love that approach. And so I'll make sure to have links to all that in the, in the show notes. Is there anything else that you like to close this out with? Yeah, man. I I just want to reiterate the point that's like so important. Take as a business owner, like you have to go from self-employed to business owner. And, and I know we kind of went deep into it and I rambled a lot, but it's very important to know, like you got to hire faster and you got to start marketing faster than you thought you were. And that'll create just immense growth in your business. And if you're confident as a business owner in your product and in the vision that you have to get it to where it needs to be, you should have no problem investing in those things. Um, because it's not like you're signing a lease, 
You know what I mean? It's not like you're committing to three to five years for an employee and same goes for marketing. You can turn on and off whenever you want. If an employee doesn't work out, you can always fire them. And I think too many people are too concerned with the costs that are incurred with marketing and with hiring that they don't do it. But when you start thinking about it from a month to month basis, where at any month you can kind of change that cost and it's not like a hard fixed cost, like an office where you have to pay it every month for the next three, five years. I think that should allow you as a business owner to think more fluidly in regards to your expenses and invest it. If you're making $12,000 a month, like, and you know, to get to 20, you have to pay someone three to work for you. Like pay that three and get to 20 because that eight is going to be way better than that three that you gave up. So, um, just really start thinking more about investing in your business faster. And I think a lot of these people will go from self-employed to business owner with a team of 10 pretty quickly if they start thinking that way. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.